here we are. This is Interfaith Talk Radio being brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide. We're on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, and you can always find us streaming at our website, interfaithtalkradio.com. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor hosting a deepening dialogue on interfaith matters and a shared spiritual quest. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon from Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I am Brother Jamal Rahman from Interfaith Community Church in Seattle. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie from University Congregational United Church of Christ in Seattle. And we're here with you every Monday afternoon from 5 to 6, sandwiched in between Russian-speaking show at the moment. So all of you who are listening to the Russian show, uh, welcome to Interfaith Talk Radio. want to remind you that during the time we chat with each other, you are always welcome to call into the studio with your comments or questions. You can reach us at 425-373-5527, 425-373-5527. And there's a toll-free number from Western Washington, 888-298-5569. So, welcome to our show today. We're talking about a little bit about humor and how humor uh, kind of mixes in with spiritual uh, matters in each of our traditions. In a way, this is coming from the Jewish celebration of Purim, which uh, was yesterday. Yesterday was Purim, and Purim is like Jewish bacchanalia, when we make fun of all our institutions, people make fun of the rabbi, uh, people make fun of the other leaders of the community. People dress up. Um, it's modeled on the book of Esther, where Esther is the beautiful Jewish queen who saves her kingdom from the evil uh, minister of the king named Haman. Um, her cousin Mordechai is the quintessential good guy. Haman is the quintessential bad guy. Esther is the quintessential beautiful queen. And it illustrates several things. One is it's been seen to illustrate the three stages, the three steps uh, which pertain to many Jewish holidays. One, they tried to kill us. Two, we won. Three, let's eat. And uh, the eating on Purim is a little bit different because we actually made our enemy into a cookie so that Haman becomes a hamantashen, a Haman's pocket, which is a three-cornered cookie where you put poppy seed in the middle and then fold over the sides of the round cookie so you have a three-cornered um, conveyance of poppy seed. You can also put prune in the middle and apricot in the middle. I noticed this year that they also were sawing them at Albertsons with chocolate in the middle um, and other uh, such things, which from my point of view is not a, you know, I mean, that's a stretch. That's like having chocolate bagel and 
that doesn't do it for you me. You have chocolate donuts, but you don't have chocolate bagels. It's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Put a cream cheese on chocolate bagel? It just doesn't do it. I mean, nobody's going to put cream cheese on a chocolate donut. No. But you wouldn't want to. No. And um, so this issue of humor in the spiritual traditions and how humor has helped us survive or humor has helped us kind of remember who we are and get us out of some of the stuckness in the heavy places that in Jewish experience at least has been crucial I think to our survival the ability to laugh even in the midst of times that were extremely difficult and you see that in the number of comedians that are Jewish and the kind of Jewish humor that sometimes is self-deprecating mm-hmm. but allows us to laugh at ourselves and in so doing to kind of elevate our spirits. I would assume that probably a humor is prevalent in every single tradition. Uh, you know, it might be hard to believe in these days but uh, there is really a very long tradition of laughter and humor in Islam. There's a verse in the Quran which says that uh, it is God who has created laughter and tears, uh, which means that laughter is as sacred as tears are sacred. Mm. And this really inspired one of the very wonderful Islamic sage named Hafiz to write, what is this love and laughter bubbling up from within me? He says, listen to my answer. It's the sound of a soul waking up. Right. <laughs> sound of a soul waking right. up. So in, in Islam, uh, there is sort of a universal archetypical uh, figure called the mullah, which has sort of seeped into every single uh, local tradition or culture of a particular, uh, say, country uh, that is uh, having a community which, who are Muslims. So all Muslims have this archetypical figure called the mullah, but with different names, like right. Khoja or Mullah Nasruddin. And he, through his incredible antics, illustrates many of the spiritual teachings. So he's actually universally a, a Muslim who is dressed in a turban, who has a, a white beard. He's always on his donkey. So, for example, one uh, simple story is he's on his donkey rushing through the marketplace. And the people try to stop him and say, Mullah, please stop and talk to us. He says, no, 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 please don't bother me. I'm in a big hurry. I'm looking for my donkey. The point being, aren't we all looking for a donkey? Mm-hmm. Uh, in many countries, there are, you might say, shrines and tombs of the mullah. And, uh, for example, there, there, there's some in Turkey where you have the graveyard of the tomb of a tomb of mullah. And there's a huge door, padlocked and has chains all around it. But there are no walls around it. <laughs> <laughs> So, and there are stories after stories we can, we can get into uh, about the mullah. Is there something like that in Christianity, Brother Don? You know, th- this is a great question because you're, you're giving a great illustration of, of humor from the Islamic tradition. And as Ted has already said, some of the great comedians of our time, the 20th century, uh, were Jewish. And uh, we have said to each other that the line between comedy and tragedy is a, th- it's a thin veil, thin wall between those two experiences. But but I can't think of something of humor that is particularly Christian, which is not a pleasant thought in a way. I mean, 
And those of you who are listening might want to call in and correct me on this. Um, if anybody's got some good Christian jokes, they should call. <laughs> I mean, is Christianity too serious? I mean, let's face it. You know, when we laugh, when we really laugh, it's like an exorcism. Oh, we yeah. get out stuff that's inside, and it's as good, if not better even, than crying. Uh, both are, are kind of just the experience of physically getting out. Right. Our something. tradition says that there are two ways in which the soul opens. And one is through tears and one is through laughter. And if we get to have a choice, you know, I think most of us would choose laughter. Amen. And you said the soul opens. Jamal said a soul waking up, which is a great... Same thing. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. But, um, but I'm trying to think of something uh, of a... Of a a style of humor or something that you could uh, one could say is particularly Christian. I mean, there, there's some great Christian comedians. I mean, people who were Gentile, at least they weren't Jewish. Uh, Steve Allen, you mentioned um, Bob Newhart. Um, some Johnny others. Carson. Johnny Carson, sure. Um, but they were all in the style that I think of as Milton Berle, Jack Benny, Groucho huh. Mark. Interesting. All the great 20th century Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to share a Christian joke and a Jewish joke. And invite those who are listening to think of any jokes pertaining to any traditions that you think are arable um, and that you'd like to share. This is Interfaith Talk Radio coming to you today with some laughter. And uh, we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. I don't know what's wrong with me. I just can't seem to get over this. Change results in loss. With death in the family, divorce, or major illness, there's going to be grief. When you're feeling overwhelmed or like you just can't get through it alone, you can heal through grief counseling. You can call Sybil Lundy at Whole Life Counseling. For nearly 10 years, Whole Life Counseling has been a safe place to come to peace with life changes. Call 206-683-1561 or see my website at wholelifedesigns.com. Can changing what you think really change your life? Tune in to the Dr. Pat Show to learn how intentional living and the power of affirmations can change your life. Kristen Marie Sherline, founder of Affirmagy, will share her story, her company, and advice on how to live intentionally and design a life you love. More information about Affirmagy, log on to Affirmagy.com. That's Affirmagy.com. Tired of worrying about money? Are you ready to let go of your money baggage? Karen Ramsey is offering a money makeover challenge to one of the Dr. Pat Show's loyal listeners. To enter the challenge, send an email to caring at caringmoney.com and in 50 words or less, Tell us why you should be selected for this amazing money makeover. Karen will help you realistically look at your bottom line, set up a spending plan and savings plan, win a money makeover with Karen Ramsey. To enter, send an email to caring at caringmoney.com by March 20th, and one of Dr. Pat's loyal listeners will be announced on our March 22nd show. Listen to The Dr. Pat Show weekdays at 11 or go to the website www.thedrpatshow.com for more details. You have nothing to lose but your financial worry.
Huna is the ancient spiritual teachings of the people of Hawaii. Huna says, Aohe pau, koike ikohalau. Think not that all wisdom is in your school. It's important to remember that no matter who you are or where you come from, there's always more to learn. Call 800-800-MIND or go to Huna.com to learn about the March 10th through 18th Huna event in Kona, Hawaii. Mention the Dr. Pat Show when you call. The Huna Workshop and the Empowerment Partnership. Whatever you think you are, you're more than that. More choices, more topics, more shows. One station. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back. This is Interfaith Talk Radio being brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide. You can find us on the internet at Interfaith Talk Radio. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. I'm Rabbi Ted Falcon from Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman from Interfaith Community Church. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie from University Congregational United Church of Christ. And we are talking today a little bit about humor as it appears in our various traditions. And I said that I would share a Christian joke um, and a Jewish joke. The Christian joke comes from a website called Clean Christian Jokes. I mean, so I don't, I just want to say, and it, we have a whole 26 pr- pages of printout it. of Christian, they're, they're not all expressly Christian, but I like this one. Two priests died at the same time and met St. Peter at the pearly gates. St. Peter said, I'd like to get you guys in now, but our computer is down. You'll have to go back to earth for about a week, but you can't go back as priests. So what else would you like to be? The first priest says, I've always wanted to be an eagle soaring above the Rocky Mountains. So be it, says St. Peter. And off flies the first priest. The second priest mulls this over for a moment and asks, Will any of this week count, St. Peter? No, I told you the computer's down. There's no way we can keep track of what you're doing. In that case, says the second priest, I've always wanted to be a stud. (laughs) So be it, says St. Peter, and the second priest disappears. A week goes by, the computer is fixed, And the Lord tells St. Peter to recall the two priests. Will you have any trouble locating them, he asks. The first one should be easy, says St. Peter. He's somewhere over the Rockies flying with the eagles. But the second one could prove to be more difficult. Why, asketh the Lord. Well, says St. Peter, he's on a snow tire somewhere in North Dakota. I don't know if it's classic, but it's, it's good. Like, would Especially you call if that? you know North Dakota, I think. Yeah, I know North Dakota. But would you? I mean, Christian <laughs> humor. I guess it uses Saint Peter and the Lord. And yeah. Okay. Sure. It. Um, yeah. What's Christian about it? I suppose the figures of Christ, of Saint Peter and heaven images of heaven and hell but that's not particularly i mean this is making fun of people this This is is the kind of thing that would also be jewish humor the pope billy graham and oral roberts were in a three-way plane crash god forbid over the pacific ocean they all died and went to heaven together oh this is terrible exclaimed saint peter i know you guys think we summoned you here but this is just one of those coincidences that happened too early. Since we weren't expecting you, your quarters just aren't ready. We can't take you in and we can't send you back. 
Then he got an idea, picks up the phone, listen, Lucifer, this is Pete. Hey, I got these three guys up here. They're ours, but we weren't expecting them, and we got to fix the place up for them. I was hoping you could put them up for a while. It'll only be a couple of days. What do you say? Reluctantly, the devil agreed. However, two days later, St. Peter got a call. Pete, Lou, hey, you got to come down and get these three clowns. This Pope fellow was forgiving everybody. The Graham guy is saving everybody. And that Oral Roberts has raised enough money to buy air conditioning. <laughs> this one I got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that's cool. And my favorite Jewish joke is about the Jew and the German and the Frenchman who are walking across a desert. And they're sweating. And it's really hot. And finally the Frenchman says, I'm so hot. I'm so thirsty. I must have wine. And they walk on a little bit and the German guy says, I'm so hot. I'm so thirsty. I must have beer. And they walk on a little bit and the Jewish guy finally says, I'm so hot. I'm so thirsty. I must have diabetes. <laughs> uh, you know, which is a typical kind of... Yeah, you know, there's something in Jewish humor that's self-deprecating uh-huh. in surprising ways. And how does self-deprecation um, uh, respond to being Jewish? I mean, what, Well, I think there's... You know, when you were saying there's no Christian humor, I was thinking that there's... Italian humor, there's Irish humor, sure. there's African-American humor. Right. I think there's humor, a, a special kind of humor that dawns in the soul of the minority. Right. That doesn't occur in the majority culture in the same kind of way. So one makes, one does self-deprecation as a way of dealing with a larger deprecation that's coming from the outside. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a way of taking control uh, feeling more in control of one's destiny. One, one also does self-deprecation, like not to take, to try not to take oneself so seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because taking yourself seriously is a burden. And you can be lifted by laughing at yourself. By seeing that there's absurdity in the situation. Which is what the, I think the joke about St. Peter, that's why the, those are so funny, because at one level we hope, if we've been good, there will be a St. Peter who says, welcome to the beauty right, and glory right. of the eternal. But we also find that to be at least vaguely absurd, and so we tell jokes about it. Right. I mean, there must be something called healing. But to, to have, it, have it be a gate, I mean, the literalness of it is what leads us down the road called absurdity. But the metaphoric value of that has all kinds of hope in it. It's a, it's a funny sort of fork in the road that we let... And that's well, yeah, sometimes I think if the images, like if the traditional, at least, uh, kind of literary or visual image of heaven is right, where heaven is a place we go and we play harps, it's like people are going to be really disappointed. Like how many people would find that a fun thing to do? <laughs> You know, like, where's the video games? Oh, they're down there. Mm. You know, where's the movies? Where's the 
athletics where right. you want to sit and stuff. play harps yeah. and it's just like the the uh like kind of the paradigm of the terrorist who is going to have how many virgins like some huge 72 they say 72, 72. well could yes. you imagine uh-huh. 72 wives all right and all virgins I mean, yes this this i'm not sure they're really thinking this through <laughs> and of course the irony is that uh, one believes that's in the quran and believe me i've looked it's not in the quran it's in the extra Quranic source. You haven't like put it in the margin somewhere. <laughs> no, I've looked like I've I've used a magnifying glass uh, to look. But I wanted to say a lot of this humor is also about a very deep teaching. Yeah, a deep right. teaching. So the mullah stories in Islam are, are really about illuminating a, a point, which is like a, rather than sermonize, just tell a story and ask the person simply to meditate on that. So let me give you just a short one or two very short ones. So, uh, you know, the mullah goes to a bank in China. And by the way, mullah stories always adapt to every age and every culture. So, mullah goes to a bank in China for some financial deal. And the officer says, sir, can you uh, identify yourself to prove who you are? So, he pauses, uh, reaches into his pocket and takes out, takes out a pocket mirror, looks into it and says, yep, that's me, all right. I certify it. <laughs> Which is making fun of who am I? Really? Right, sure. Right? Another one is, for example, about all the excuses, all the excuses we make in our life. So somebody goes to the mullah, knocks on his door and says, Mullah, can I borrow your donkey? And the mullah hesitates. Uh, He doesn't want to lend the donkey, so he lies. He says, oh, I wish you'd just come five minutes ago because I just lent out the donkey to a friend of mine. But unfortunately, just at that time, the donkey in the stable begins to bray. The neighbor says, are you a donkey? So Mullah's caught. He's like us or like me. So what does he do? He just uh, gets very indignant, you know, puts his hands on his uh, waist and says, now who will you believe? Me or the donkey? <laughs> <laughs> so they all have a point right. to share. Right. There's a story of the of the Mullah. I, I tell Mullah stories. Yes, I'm glad. And it's I, universal. I uh, have told them before we met, so I don't know whether they're legitimate mullah stories. Oh, of course they are. If they're funny, they are. Um, But the person who comes to the mullah looking for joy uh, and knowing that the mullah has it to give and the mullah says, do you have a lot of money? And the guy says, I'm rich. I've never been able to find joy, real happiness. And the mullah says, bring me all your money. All my money, says the man. Well, if you want real joy, bring me all your money. So the guy says, okay, it's really important to me. He brings this huge bag of coins and gold and jewels. And the mullah reaches out and grabs it and starts running. And he's running through the streets of the town. And the rich man is running after him, screaming, you've taken my money. You've taken my money. Running, running, running. And all of a sudden, the mullah is out underneath a tree. And he's sitting, standing there with, the, with holding the money. And finally, the rich guy catches up to him. And panting, you know, and finally the the mullah holds out the money to him. The rich man takes it, and the mullah says, "How do you feel?" And the mullah, and the man says, "Oh, I feel so happy." Amazing! And he always had the money. <laughs> he <you>? always had <laughs> it. You know, it's interesting. Um, uh, so, in, in the, in, for example, if you take it from the Buddhist perspective, it's about the teaching of being mindful. 
of being present right. to what it is you have. If you're not present, if you're not mindful, it doesn't matter what you have. You'll never enjoy it. So it's the soul waking up again. I mean, it's not being numb, in other words. It's waking up. It's yes. being mindful, as you say, being conscious, being aware, and so forth. And, and over, going beyond just taking things for granted, being numbed about that. You know, I love even to uh, say that uh, even in Sufi, Sufi teachers have humor. We talked about you know, making fun of God in a reverential sense. Uh -huh. So, as I said, the Sufis say that on Resurrection Day, on Judgment Day, Oh God, plead on my behalf with yourself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in uh, Jewish tradition, like there, the Hasidic story, the Hasidic teaching tale, and the Zen teaching tale, and the Mullah teaching tales are sometimes exactly like each other. Yes. yes. And I don't know whether one copied from the other or whether just certain tales just wind oh, yeah. up getting... I think, emerging it's, I, I think it's a universal source. I yeah. think it's a universal source. It's a universal technique and method to just meditate, ponder on the stories. And as you reflect on it, it creates a shift within you. And, and I suppose that's that the, the universality of humor. Yes. Because real humor has, it, it brings people together. We're going to take another break. Um, our sponsorships, of course, are not a joke, and uh, we do encourage you to pay attention to them. We also invite any of our listeners who would like to become sponsors on our show to reach us through our website, interfaithtalkradio.com. And we will be right back. University Congregational United Church of Christ, located at 4515 16th Avenue Northeast, right across from the Burke Museum, wants you to know that it is a liberal and inclusive congregation waiting to welcome you to worship, education, fellowship, and service. We need your help to say yes to God's purposes. For more information, log on to universityucc.org. That's universityucc.org. Or call 206-524-2322. That's 206-524-2322. Called the Oprah of radio by her listeners. Award-winning host Dr. Pat Vasily is blowing the doors off of traditional talk radio. Get ready for an energizing delivery and powerful interviews with leaders in the field of human potential. Dr. Pat's fresh new perspective on living life full out has catapulted her show to the top of talk radio. Tune in and Dr. Pat will help you thrive instead of merely survive. Visit thedrpatshow.com. That's T-H-E-D-R-Patshow.com for listening times in your area. This is Dr. Scott Lynch of Crown Hill Chiropractic with your Maximized Living Tip of the Week. Subluxation is when a spinal bone has shifted from its normal healthy alignment, interfering with proper nervous system function and causing poor health. Visit us at crownhillchiropractic.com or call 206-782-8800 for your complimentary subluxation checkup at a wellness office near you. Huna is the ancient spiritual teachings of the people of Hawaii. Most people who study Huna want to know more about themselves and the world around them. If you are interested in a more spiritual view of the world and want to discover a whole new universe around you, then Huna is for you. 
Call 800-800-MIND or go to HUNA.com to learn about the March 10th through 18th HUNA event in Kona, Hawaii. Mention the Dr. Pat Show when you call the Empowerment Partnership. Whatever you think you are, you're more than that. 1150KKNW.com. Your connection to Alternative Talk. 1150 AM. Interfaith Talk Radio coming to you on 1150 AM, Alternative Talk Radio. A rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor talking about the interfaith perspective, the interfaith dialogue, sharing a spiritual quest, and today doing a little laughing together, talking about humor coming from Jewish, Muslim, and Christian perspectives. And I was just looking through the pages of um, supposedly clean Christian jokes, although I'm not sure I see anything particularly Christian about this, but I see one I'd like to share. For, t- for decades, two heroic statues, one male and one female, faced each other in a city park until one day an angel came down from heaven. You've been such exemplary statues, he announced to them. I'm going to give you a special gift. I'm going to bring you both to life for 30 minutes in which you can do anything you want. And with a clap of his hands, the angel brought the statues to life. The two approached each other a bit shyly, but soon dashed for the bushes from which they shortly emerged from which shortly emerged a good deal of giggling laughter and shaking of branches 15 minutes later the two statues emerged from the bushes wide grins on their faces you still have 15 more minutes the, said the angel winking at them grinning even more widely the female statue turned to the male statue and said you want to do it again and he replied yes very much but this time let's switch positions this time you hold the pigeon down and I'll poop on his head. <laughs> well, you had to be there. <laughs> this is a silly thing. This is a silly thing to do. I'll do one more and then I'll let these let up on these for the sake of our audience. A middle-aged woman has a heart attack and is taken to the hospital. While on the operating table, she has a near-death experience. During that experience, she sees God and asks if this is it. God says no and explains that she has another 30 years to live. Upon her recovery, she decides to stay in the hospital and have a facelift, liposuction, breast augmentation, tummy tuck, and all other kinds of cosmetic surgery. She even has someone come in and change her hair color. She figures since she's got another 30 years, she might as well make the most of it. She walks out of the hospital after the last operation and is killed by an ambulance speeding by. She arrives in front of God and complains, I thought you said I had another 30 years. God replies, I didn't recognize you. (laughs) (laughs) This reminds me of a Mullah story about being on one's deathbed, but really the teaching is about our over-reliance on experts and authorities. This is a story of Mullah who's on his deathbed and, of course, his wife is wailing and crying. And now in comes the, um, the doctor, the authority. And he examines the, the Mullah. He turns to Mullah's wife and says, um, uh, Madam Mullah, honorable wife of the Mullah, your husband is no more. 
is dead. Only Allah is immortal. But the mullah is not dead. And very feebly he's saying, I'm alive, I'm alive. And the wife says, quiet, don't argue with the doctor. <laughs> the point being that this is our tendency. We rely so much on experts, on pundits, on authorities. And uh, uh, this has led to a saying, a mystical saying, when you hear a bird in song, do you at that time have a need to ask it for its credentials? No. So we have lost sight of really getting in touch with our inner teacher. And mm. this Mullah story brings it out. Mm. And I, then, yeah. I, like the, I like the thought that, that humor can be, can be, can carry teaching as well as uh, the release of emotion and, yes. and the waking up and so forth. And, um, and I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I just handed you Don. Just had to be a piece I just of handed Pastor yeah, Don yes, yes. a sheet because I said I'm not going to read any more jokes, and I just thought those are really interesting things that might that might somehow pertain to your experience. Absolutely. Well, there's so many stories in the in the Imullah tradition, uh, filled with them. But let's see what our, our uh, caller has to say. Okay, we've got a caller. Ruth Ann is on the line. Hello, Ruth Ann. Hi. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Okay. I have a question. Uh, it's sort of a comment, but from the Christian uh, tradition, we're sitting here and we're trying to think of stories from the tr Christian, Christian tradition, and we're having a great deal of trouble. And, uh, but what comes to mind is some of the, the pieces of art and film that have been made. And, and The Life of Brian came to mind. I don't yeah. know if you've seen that film, The Life yeah. of Brian. And, um, Mighty Python. Right. And I consider myself a, a Christian, and, and yet that, that film is really quite sacrilegious in its humor. And, and I wonder if, if sometimes our Christ, what we use, think of as humor in the Christian tradition isn't just a little bit sacrilegious. And what that means, could it be a counterpoint to some of the serious aspects of Christianity and our emphasis on the seri seriousness and in the passion of Christ? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I think, the, what, yeah, what is sacrilege? Is, what is sacrilege? Is, I mean, is there anything, is there a blessing in sacrilege or is it total curse? Is it, yes. is it could it be, are there positive things about it? Are we actually in trying... It's been too long since I've seen The Life of Brian, but I'm a great Monty Python fan. <laughs> and um, my memory of the movie is that they're making fun of things that could easily get in the way of, of genuine spirituality and faith and the things that, the, the, the things that become either dogmatic or um, sort of the concretization of things that should fly. And, and instead, mm -hmm. they get in the way... Um, yeah, it's been too long. But I, I think that the question, a sacrilege can be very useful and, and in fact, contribute to a sacramental sensibility yes. if, if the community understands what's going on. That, that if we take too many of these things too literally or too factually, yes. um, they dry out. They, the substance inside them departs. And we have nothing left but the forms, the shells, the shapes, and so forth, and and uh, what we think of in in uh, 
and interfaith work as the substance, love, compassion, cooperation, reconciliation, forgiveness, justice, peace. Yes. Those things get lost. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways, I think that's what a lot of what Monty Python does is to try to make fun of things that we have, uh, we have uh, worshipped when we really should be worshipping the, the Holy One of Being or God or Allah or however we want to talk about it. That's a great question. Well, thank you. That's been helpful. It reminds me a, a bit of the, uh, the Buddhist concept of spaciousness that, mm. that sometimes uh, perhaps sacrilege um, uh, in, in some ways opens up room and makes the um, invisible more visible through a sort of spaciousness. I think in, insofar as sacrilege uh, awakens us to something important right. like this, that there is a value that can't be denied. Oh, that's very helpful. Thank yeah. you very much. Thanks for calling. Thank, Thank you, Ruth so Ann, and yeah. uh, next time call with a good joke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, Ruth. I'll try. <laughs> Bye-bye. You know, I wanted to say that uh, uh, humor has also been used, certainly in Islam, to convey certain truths to political leaders right. where they could not say it directly because of fear of persecution. So here's a joke, if I may uh, tell you a mullah story about the mullah knocking on his neighbor's door and the lady of the house opens the door and the mullah says, can I borrow your huge pot because I'm going to have a big, big party. She's a bit reluctant, but she gives the pot and the mullah has this uh, huge, lovely uh, party and comes back the next day and returns the pot but brings two pots. And the lady of the house says, two pots? Uh, And the mullah says, didn't you know that your pot was pregnant? It gave birth to a child. And she would say, oh, I kind of suspected that, but thank you so much, thank you so much. And she takes the two pots. The mullah comes the next week to say, can I borrow your pot again for a huge party? And she's very happy to give the pot. But the next day, the mullah does not return to give the pot back. Uh, a day passes, a week passes, a month passes, and she goes on to his door and knocks and says, Where my pot? where's my pot? And the mullah says, haven't you heard? Uh, your uh, pot died in childbirth. <laughs> And she says, oh, that's absurd. How can that be? How can a pot be pregnant? And he says, you believed it the first time. <laughs> right. The point being to all these political rulers, how we indulge and engage in truth of convenience. Right. When the time comes, we deny it. Mm-hmm. Hey Amen. That, that's, that's the beauty of a good political cartoon, I think, in a way that um, we see. I mean, it shows us something in a way that yes. we hadn't seen it before. And if it's funny, um, if we see the humor, which is close... I mean, comedy and tragedy are separated by a very thin veil. So. And of course, there are so many stories on really uh, looking at ourselves. And those are probably the funniest stories, where we make fun of ourselves. Mm-hmm. The one which we always have had a great laugh about, that cheese sandwich story. I love the If I may say it one more time yeah. on yep. the air, please, where the mullah... Uh, goes to lunch and opens his lunch pail box and what does he find? A cheese sandwich. But second day, third day, fourth day as he opens his lunch pail box, it's always a lousy cheese sandwich. On the tenth day, again when he opens his lunch pail box, it's a cheese sandwich. He says, I'm getting sick and tired of this lousy cheese sandwich. So his puzzled co-workers say, Mullah, why don't you ask your wife to make you another kind of sandwich? You can be firm with her if you have to be. So I'm not married. Who makes them? I do. <laughs> story of our lives. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, the ruts we know so well. It's a great story. Yes, I, I, I love that, that story a lot. 
and the story of the see I heard it with the moolah and you tell it with the uh, batya or the female saint oh rabia 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 yes and I heard it with moolah who uh-huh. is uh, down on his hands and knees yes, underneath t- the light story. pole uh-huh. and his kind of his neighbors see him and come and say what are you what are you doing and he says I'm looking for my key the key to my house and they get down with him and they're looking uh, at the base of the light the street light and they, they, nobody's finding anything and finally they say well Mula wh- where did you lose it and he said I lost it in my doorway and they said well, why are you looking out here so the light is so much better right. <laughs> <laughs> you know which is that's the story of our lives and there's a great teaching like you know that uh, actually it's a true story of Rabia so Rabia says when you have lost your peace of mind your joy because of a failed relationship out there or something which didn't transpire did you lose it out there or did you lose it inside you right. the doorway but of right. course it's much darker inside so you prefer rather to look on from the outside yeah. and blame this person and that person yep so this is Interfaith Talk Radio and we are pausing uh, for some messages from our sponsors we will be back in a few moments Church of Christ wants you to know about the God is Still Speaking campaign, a national effort to let everyone know that this denomination welcomes everyone, no matter what, to the worship of God and the service of the church. We believe that God has much, much more to tell us about the good news of the gospel of Jesus and about what love can do to help us with this beautiful but troubled world. To find out more, log on to www.ucc.org slash index.php. We wish you blessings for your life. Looking for the perfect way to connect with your children all year long? Give your entire family the gift of heartfelt conversations through the magic of Carla Miller's Seeds of Discovery books. Each Unbound book is a unique interactive experience with simple life lessons for all children and adults. Lighthearted, colorful illustrations attract the attention of children and stimulate interaction with adults through titles like I Love Myself When, Why Am I Here, I Know I Can, Yes I Am, I Am, and others. Adults can share creative, fun, meaningful, and long-lasting experiences with their children who will learn about themselves with messages of loving self-image and emotional reinforcement. Love your children by giving your whole family the gift of inspired conversation with Seeds of Discovery books by Carla Miller. Seeds of Discovery books can be found at the Center for Spiritual Living, Island Books, Seattle Unity Church Bookstore, or by going to seedsofdiscovery.com or calling 888-426-1632. That's 888-426-1632. Are you yearning to live a more fully expressed and joyful life? Do you want to explore and discover what ignites your heart? Heart Ignited is a potent coaching process created by Deborah Tracci, a life and transition coaching pioneer. Tune into the Dr. Pat Show to learn more about this unique process. Go to heartignited.com or call 206-236-6100 to learn more. That's heartignited.com or 206-236-6100. Hello. This is Sue Neufeld Ellis. In our fast-paced world, we often forget to breathe. I would love for you to attend my pranic breath and meditation workshop. You will leave with a series of breathwork exercises, which will calm your mind and revitalize your being. QuantumHealing.us 
or call us at 425-455-4207. You can also download your free copy of 25 Stress Reduction Tips. More talk, less rock. Come on, that's a good thing. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back. This is Interfaith Talk Radio coming to you every Monday afternoon from 5 to 6 p.m. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor engaging in various aspects of an interfaith dialogue. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon from Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman from Interfaith Community Church. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie from University Congregational United Church of Christ. We have a couple of messages to share. Jamal's going to share a, uh, a message about ancient sounds. We've had ancient sounds on the show. You hear their music as we begin the show each week. And they're appearing later this week. That's right. Just like laughter, music is such a wonderful way to get in touch with one's soul and connect with the others. There's a wonderful concert by Ancient Sounds, which really is a fabulous group performing music, on March 8th. March 8th, Thursday. Thursday, at 7 p.m. at the Chateau, which is the Bothell Landing Retirement Community. And if you have any questions, you want details, uh, just contact or on your internet, ancientsounds.org. That's great. They really are great. They're wonderful to, I mean, not only to listen to, but to feel their energy as they perform. And sponsored by uh, Stark Bulkheads, uh, I'm able to talk a little bit about my community and encourage people. If they want to find out about Beit Aleph, the easiest way to do that is to go to jewishspiritualcommunity.com. It's kind of too hard to explain how to spell Beit Aleph over the air. So we have Jewish Spiritual Community as a way to uh, get people to our website. You don't have to be Jewish, certainly, to come to Beit Aleph or to join. Um, but that's how you get there. And we have, uh, we just had our Friday evening. We meet on the first and third Fridays of every month using the Sanctuary of Unity of Bellevue. And uh, we have, I think, one space left for our Poland trip in May. And you can find out about that by going to spiritualcommunity.org. Spiritualcommunity.org. And here we are back with our final segment of our show. And one of the things we thought that we had talked about at the very beginning, but we haven't talked about for a long time and every time we go out the three of us frequently go out to talk about interfaith matters and how interfaith spirituality and social justice go together and how spirituality and acting justly in the world are in fact aspects of the same reality I thought maybe we could talk again about how the three of us got together does anybody know? Th no? Do either <laughs> do of you remember? remember? <laughs> well, I remember uh, uh, there were actually two circumstances. Ted and I, Ted, you and I were in a Jewish-Christian dialogue and were given an assignment. Um, looks like Eric's 
gearing up for a comment. No, I was just going to say, I thought you guys got together when a rabbi, a pastor, and a brother all walked into, into a, a bar. bar. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping with the joke theme. You know, right? yes, Actually, yes. we did that one. And then you yeah. did a radio show. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's good. No, Go ahead. Sorry um, to interrupt. That actually happened <laughs> later, good. but um, Ted and I had an assignment to do a project, and we had lunch and got to know each other, and uh, Jamal and Ted were on the board at Camp Brotherhood. Actually, we were on the board of a university that oh, was starting right. up to offer a graduate degree in spiritual studies. Right. The university never happened, and I've often thought that the whole reason at least for me, yes. to, to have been involved with that was to get to know Jamal. Mm -hmm. And then right after, when 9-11 happened, and we were in that initial period of shock, one of the first things that became clear is that it was really important to reach out to Muslims in our community and connect, you know, so that the energy of this country didn't turn against all Muslims because of that which a few did. So I immediately called Jamal, and a few days later we did uh, an interfaith um, worship experience at our Friday night Shabbat. I remember that, yes. And ever since then we've been working together. And I believe after that, a year after that, uh, Brother Don came A year after on. that is, is when we got together with... Pastor Don using his church for the first anniversary to mark the first anniversary of 9-11. Right, and, and after that we met and said we should keep doing yep. this, and we have, and for three years we've been meeting weekly, yep. and we've taken a trip to the Middle East, and we've been writing a book. Now, I understand you guys are writing a book. Do you want to talk a little <laughs> bit about <Yeah>. that? <laughs> We're talking. This is a good. Show, this is a humor. A show about humor, right? Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Writing a book. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it, the great, the high point of the book is when we were actually at the Blue Star Saloon having dinner, which is a bar, but we were we were there to eat. But the but you had your kippah on, right? Jamal had his collarless shirt, and I was clearly the other. And when uh, the person, the waitress came up and said, all right, let me get this straight. Is this a rabbi, a Muslim, and a minister walk into a yeah. bar? Right. And we said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we keep wondering what line comes after that, though. It is. That's, that's waiting. We're waiting to have that be made known. Yeah. Well, going into a bar in uh, all the mystical traditions is really getting intoxicated on mystical knowledge. Well, see, that's the... That's what's said about Purim, you know, to come uh -huh. back to the beginning of our conversation. Yes. The Talmud, uh, which is a literature that was written after the Bible was completed, the Talmud says about Purim that you're supposed to drink Ad Shelo Yada until you don't know the difference between Baruch Mordechai, which is blessed is Mordechai, and Arur Haman, which is cursed is Haman. And of course, on a spiritual level, what that means is you're supposed to get so high that you can hold the, the good and the bad, the up and the down, the light and the dark as one. I see. And lift yourself from getting so caught in the drama, whether the drama is good or bad, and realize the fuller aspect of one's identity. That's beautiful. So, yes, yes. 
what I suppose what we should have said to that person, yes, we're drinking until we no longer can tell the difference right. between the pastor, the brother, and the rabbi. Right. Then you really won then. You really won. <laughs> Which reminds me of this story, if I may tell you quickly about mystery, about the mullah uh, drinking in the tavern. Just drinking and drinking and drinking and it's four in the morning, he stumbles out drunk, he walks the streets aimlessly and a policeman accosts him and says, Sir, who are you? Where are you going? What are you doing at this time of the night or morning? He says, sir, if I knew the answer to all those questions, I'd be home already. (laughs) (laughs) Story of our lives. (laughs) But I also wanted to say, besides us, three of us collaborating, you know, continuously, really, we meet far more often than once a week, actually, a radio talk show, the book, uh, presentations. It's also our congregations that are participating in programs. And then we also collaborate with other houses of worship. So it's really increasing in concentric circles. Mm-hmm. And we are really praying and hoping that this modeling is going to be uh, done by other uh, persons of other faiths. doesn't have to be heads of congregations. can be somebody who is a Muslim, a Christian, and a Jew getting together, as people are doing that. Like right. the Interfaith Book Club, for example. Right. Right. And other programs have right, really right. important. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned our congregations because we are not out out doing something by ourselves. I mean, we're really hoping to connect the substance of this work to the substance of our work with our congregations. Yes, as this show is about to wind up, I'd like to tell our listeners that next week we will have representatives of a very special group called Ivy Interfaith Voices of Youth with us to share some of their perspectives. A lot has been talked about, particularly recently, about an increasing narcissism among American youth. Right. And this is a group that speaks directly to some of the deeper concerns that are on the minds and in the hearts of our young people. We look forward to that. Tell yeah. me, just quickly say one thing. It's important that we, do, we laugh but for no particular reason. The fastest growing club in the world is a laughter club in India, which is causing so much healing physically, emotionally, mentally. People gather in parks, they just put their hands up in the skies and just laugh and laugh and laugh. And it's so infectious. And this laughter is creating so much of healing and so much of goodwill. 